It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner, joined by Chad Brendel of BearcatJournal.com and Rick Roaring from MusketeerReport.com. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast, the college basketball edition, brought to you by Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati. Hey! I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com, digital sports columnist and editor with Chad Brendel from Bearcat Journal and Rick Brewing from Musketeer Report. we got a lot of ground to cover. Sunday always seems like the, the best of the podcast because so much stuff happens on Saturday. The weekends have been bananas. That's the thing. Year. Every weekend this year we're like, what a crazy weekend <laughs> of college basketball, but it really is. And then it keeps topping itself weekend after weekend after weekend. Um, we are going to talk about Xavier maybe playing its way into a one seed, but they certainly didn't look like a one seed against Georgetown, but they did find a way to win thanks to a four-point play by Trayvon Blewett um, that, that got Xavier to the overtime, beating Georgetown 96-91. I, he, he was stupid good last night. He really was. Yeah. He, it didn't feel like... 30-plus points. Because like he, he didn't feel like he took a lot of shots. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he was efficient with the 31. We were talking about that in the newsroom last last night when I was I stopped by here at Local 12 to do some show prep yes. with Rick. Yes, yes. And, um, I appreciate you guys doing that. And it was like – it felt like 20, 23, 24, like, but 30, 31. Right. Like, it didn't feel like – and that's the efficiency. It wasn't a volume night. It was he just got buckets – spread throughout the course of the game it wasn't in bunches it was just consistently impacting the score and that was open gym for two and a half hours yeah and he does pre- exactly he does, what that was he does pretty well in that scenario and chris drew up a few really good plays specifically the out of bounds underneath right before halftime to get him that three and yep. he made a tough shot but the play was really good and then that play they ran to get the the game tying four point play was just stupid good. It's something. It's funny because I have seen them practice that one a lot. And Chris said they run into practice all the time, but the opportunity just hasn't presented itself in a game for them to need it. That was the perfect and, opportunity. And, and I mean, obviously he gets fouled if, if he misses a shot. It would have been three free throws. But I mean, that, that, that that's not an easy shot because he had to he had to almost spin as he was catching it and release it. Um, and then I of course get blocked out because somebody jumps up and I'm see I see him laying on the floor. And I went. Oh, wait a minute. I think he just got fouled. Holy cow. Yeah. No, and Well, the thing about it was he got wide open for the clean look because of the set, and Quentin delivered Terrible a pass. Terrible closeout. Terrible. Well, well, I mean, here's the thing. The whole play, because Quentin's driving and Trayvon's looking like he's going to set a screen, his man sags into the lane and starts focusing on Quentin for help defense or potentially rebounding, and that split second let Trayvon go wide open, Tyreek setting the screen, and the guy goes underneath the screen and then just basically – runs right into his lower body as it's coming down. So um, dumb decision to foul him, obviously. No and if he makes the three and it's a one-possession game, you still have plenty of time yeah, to potentially what, 25-6. But you tie it up, it's a, just a completely no different feeling no for qu- Xavier. No question about it. Um, also, some some good play out of the big guys. Karim Cantor early got, got him going a little bit offensively, and Tyreek Jones was really good at times. But Tyreek Jones was really good at times, and I think for Xavier fans that was good to see because he's been struggling. His motor hasn't been there. He wasn't playing as hard. He was playing hard again in that game and really battling in there. I didn't think Xavier's big men played as well. I mean, Tyreek had some really good minutes. Karam started off hot offensively, but then really kind of got dominated on the defensive end. And um, Xavier's bigs gave up a ton of points to Jesse Govan and Marcus Derrickson inside. So Georgetown's a rare team, though, and that not many have two guys like that that have not only they're kind of like a bigger version of Cincinnati, really, because both those guys can score really well around the rim, but they can also stretch you out hit some threes, you know, make guarding them really difficult for for 
guys that Xavier have that are a little bit more you know bulky and interior based in today's game Derrickson seems like a load at the five when he's playing the five and he starts at the four and plays a lot at the four when Govan's in so he is a monster at the four and they crushed Xavier on the offensive glass I think they had 18 second chance points so that was a big factor in why they were able to keep it close but then also I mean again you know Kaiser Gates just can't make a shot in that game JP McCura is totally quiet I mean again it's just different pieces not showing up but then Quentin Gooden plays really well, hits a few more threes, which, by the way, what he's the like starting to do it. Seven, start, yeah. seven of his last nine, and during conference play, he's actually shooting a pretty high percentage if you look at it. So, I mean, teams are daring him to shoot it, and now he has some confidence, so he's just taking those open shots. And, it's, it's again, it's, it's just one of those things where I think you're either at the point where you either trust the Xavier team and believe that when they play against good opponents and, and it's a big moment, they rise to the occasion and the rest of the time they're way too content to play open gym and just run up and down the court and trade buckets until the final few minutes. Or you think they're getting lucky and they're just kind of pulling these games out of their arse and they're not no, really I, as good as they I, look. I, I don't think they're getting lucky. I, I don't. I, Ken I, Palm says they're 11th in luck in the country. I, I, okay. well, as long as they say that. As long as Ken Palm says that, that's, that's fine. But It's tangible. I, I mean, it, it, it is. No, what I was going to say is, it almost feels like Xavier's defense is simply, I hope you miss shots. I mean, that's what it feels like. That's what last night certainly felt like. I hope you miss shots. I think at times it gets that. Well, I don't even know if it's that all the time because I think a, a lot of times if they get into the half court and they're like sitting down, they'll guard you and they'll they'll give a pretty good effort even though they can't always keep the ball in front of them at times. But they're just giving straight line drives to the rim in transition that totally unacceptable for the Correct. way they typically play defense and not something that they, they teach at all. And it's just, I don't know how else to explain it other than this group of guys, their core group that need to be on the court, defending just doesn't come naturally to them. It's really hard for them. They have to work at it on every possession, and they're way more content and just believe enough in themselves to say, eh, we'll just trade baskets with this team for 25 minutes and then flip the switch. And we'll hit a couple extra threes, and that'll be enough. And you can, and again, if, if you want to make the argument that that's not a good thing and, and it's going to come back to bite them, I, I, I get that. Like, that's a fair argument, but at the same time, they are undefeated at home, and almost and all of those games have been at home when they've had those issues. So, um, I want to touch on on the lineup change last night. Kaiser Gates did get the start. Was that you think more just a, a matchup because of the two bigs? Yeah, I don't know if that they just didn't want Trayvon. You know, they wanted to switch him and Trayvon put a little more size in there. But I mean, Najee's six seven two and right. he plays pretty physical. So, I'm not sure what that was about, or maybe he just felt Kaiser had been giving them a little bit more again and, and had earned his spot back in the starting lineup and been playing more physical. I mean, he did have ten rebounds. Yeah, right. Correct. Even though he didn't, didn't make any shoot, shots. Did, yeah, didn't shoot it worth a darn. Um, in fact, it was was it down the stretch? They looked like they ran a set for him to get a shot. Wide had, open, wide open three yeah, from the wing. Yeah, it got him a great look there that in a big moment. Yeah. And Chris ran some sets last night that for for most of the game was open, Jim, with neither team needing to run anything. Because no, it was, they were like, was it was out of, t- out of timeouts. They were really good. But yeah, Xavier ran about five or six sets in the second half. Well, and at the end of the first half, talking about right the, the three, yeah, that were just phenomenal. Got wide open looks. They won a game by five where they didn't hit a basket in overtime. I guess that's a good point. I didn't, even think, I, I didn't even think about that. Zero field goals. Now, helps that Georgetown had one field goal in the entire overtime. But they, they went a game by five that they didn't make a field goal in overtime. Yeah, I mean, well, and Georgetown was intentionally fouling Tyreek Jones and sending him to the free throw line. Tyreek Jones shot 16 free throws. So everyone's like, Xavier shot 41 free throws. What a travesty. It's like Georgetown was intentionally putting Correct. Tyreek Jones he, at the line. And to his credit, he was making them. I mean, yeah, the, I mean it was 31 of 41 as a team, right? Yeah. So. 
And, and and so like I mean Georgetown one they play physically they're just and kind they of big tough dudes they foul well typically the way they win is by not fouling you defensively and getting to the free throw line a ton on their own they and, fouled a lot yesterday yeah I mean they they Xavier's a tough matchup for them to guard and so they had to foul a lot and then they were intentionally fouling Tyreek to put him at the free throw line so uh, as I mentioned Xavier's playing its way at least in the conversation for for a one seed um, and again they may not have looked like that last night. In, in playing Georgetown, but the way this, this season continues to fall, Xavier keeps working its way up because it wins. We're going to touch on UC. They keep working their way up because they win, and you can look and go, I don't think UC's a two-seater. I don't think Xavier's a one-seater, but you keep winning, everybody else keeps losing. You just keep moving up the ranks. Yeah, and then you start thinking about, okay, maybe that's right. Maybe Xavier isn't a, a typical what you would think of when you won a one-seed. Who are you putting in front of them though right, right now? Correct. That's playing that much better. Correct. Um, and same thing with UC. You can make the same argument for both teams, I think, right now. And and you could even argue UC is playing better out of the two teams at right. this moment. So I think they both have the same argument. It's just like, who's who's playing better? Who are you going to put in front of them, regardless of what seed line you're talking about? I think right now there's legitimately four teams that are in front. Really? Yeah. All right, give me. Virginia, yes. Villanova, Purdue, Purdue, Michigan State. But I think that line between UC and Michigan State is not – that gap is not wide. Now, I don't think you see probably because of their metrics and because of the American isn't going to jump up near a one seed. But Xavier and Michigan State, I don't think there's a whole lot of difference there. And we've talked about it. Is the committee going to give the Big Ten two number one seeds with as with, with four with, with the, four teams in the tournament with the complete dumpster fire that that conference is? Yeah, I don't think that makes sense. And I agree. I mean, when you say the the margin is thin between Michigan State and the rest of that bunch, I don't. I don't know that there is much of a margin at all. Right. Like, I think they're right in the mix with whoever else you want to throw in kind of that next year. I agree with your first three. Those kind of separated themselves. They absolutely deserve to be considered the number one seeds right now. But, again, I'm not huge well, on this Purdue uh, team and, and, even. And I think they still could slip up yeah, along the way. And just going off bracket matrix, um, those three are obviously one seeds. We're not That part's not an argument. If, it, if we pick today, they would certainly be three of them. Kansas was the, was the fourth number one seed. It's not been updated today. They lost at home. Is that four at home for them or three? I think three. I think it's the most – it's in, the most, and his, he's it, only lost yeah, 13 games at yeah. Fog Island the entire time he's been there. And Duke was the number one two seed. Xavier was the number two two seed. So if you just go by a simple move people up, Xavier's would be, in theory, a one seed, right? Lenardi put him there. Yeah, today. Lenardi said last night, you know, his new number we'll, one would be Xavier. We'll get back to him later. Yes, we will. I know you I know you want to touch on that. But yeah, uh, in terms, we, we got a question when we asked for him on Twitter about what Xavier would need to, to do to get the one seed. And it's a great question because I'm going to let you answer it. I got my own opinion on it. But I, I still think you have to beat Villanova at Xavier and then win the Big East tournament, whether that means beating Villanova again or Villanova losing before you and you going on to win it. I just don't see because Villanova is going to be a one seed right, well, almost regardless. I'll, I think. I'll ask you. This. I think we would agree. You, you do need to beat Villanova at home. That part is a given, right? Um, yeah, have to. You're not getting one without it. Yeah. Correct. But I don't know if you have to win the Big East tournament too, though. I mean, what if you got to the finals and you played Villanova? They beat you five on on, on a neutral. If Villanova beats them again, I think Villanova is. I mean, they're obviously going to be a number one seed. Correct. And I just don't think if Xavier had but, two losses to them that the, the tournament committee is going to put two Big East teams as number one seeds. But, but, but again, it just feels like we, we say this. And I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm, the only reason I'm going to disagree is I just don't know if I can trust. Is Kansas not going to lose again? Of course not. I mean, not in that league. Everybody's got, what, three or four losses. Now. They're going to lose probably a couple more times again, even though they're going to win the Big 12 tournament because it's what they do every single solitary year. Three times in a row. Um, yeah. I can't trust. I can't trust Duke. I just can't. I wish. I wish I could. They can't, I can't defend. Right. Um, is Auburn going to play its way into a one seed? Really? No, I, I don't think that. Well, that's what I'm. I'm not. Try, 
I'm just keep no, going down these teams and go, who else? I guess I'm at the stage of who else, right? Xavier and Michigan State. I mean, that's, right, that's the, Michigan State's fair. But it goes back to your point, though, of what if it comes down to, let's see, Purdue goes out early in the Big Ten tournament, Michigan State doesn't win the big – somebody else wins the Big Ten tournament. Yeah, neither one yeah, of them do. I mean, well, Can you make two one seats from from neither one of them winning the Big Ten like, tournament? Uh, look, look at right, right – you see sixth. There's no chance <laughs> they give an AAC team a one seat. I don't. I don't know. I, I. I don't know that they don't though, Chad. I mean, if, I, I'm just gonna go through the scenario. of UC does this. UC wins out completely. Thirty-two and two. Yes. You're not gonna give them a one seed. No, I don't think they do. Oh man, I, I'd be hard they, pressed. They not better to. be the top two seed. Then. They better be the top two seed then, and there better be really good cases for the four number one seeds to say why they wouldn't I, do that. I kind of agree with Chad. Like it's almost impossible to see the committee giving UC a one seed just with the way they've handled the American in the past and some of the other conferences. When you're talking about you know Wichita State in but, past years, but where right now we're placed. not we're not talking about UC going from five or six all the way up. We're talking they're in the three line, moving quickly to the two line, and I it's know. not a quantum leap then to go to the one line from there. Again, if they went, we're we're assuming some things here. If they went out, and and it probably requires that. I mean, that's probably their yes. only chance of of that, obviously. But with, with Xavier, I don't think they're going undefeated the rest of the way. In fact, this no tough question. They, well, yeah, yeah. Touch on coming. that because it's two roads and two tough homes. Yeah, I mean, so if you Butler go, Creighton on the road. Um, Nova and Seton, Seton Hall at home, yeah. And if you go two and two, that's probably par. Which is which is probably what they will go. Yeah, if you go three and one, you're in great shape. You've really helped yourself, I think. If they go four and zero, oh, I think that's when you start talking about them seriously. As okay, maybe they have a chance to be a number one seed. Um, and obviously that requires them beating Villanova at home, which I think they have a chance to do this yeah, year. Yeah, I, I think the more plausible thing is they lose either either or or both Butler and Creighton. I mean, that, that's more plausible to me. I, I think they do yeah. beat Villanova at home. Or, or even Seton Hall getting them at home wouldn't surprise Maybe. me either. Um, but I, I think they do get Villanova at home. But other than that, Xavier has a lot of work to do. But if Xavier loses a few more games, and so does Kansas, but Kansas goes on and wins the Big 12 well, championship. they will, because it's what they do. It's, 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 it's an annual right exactly. of passage. Exactly. So do you really think they're going to put two Big East teams in, in no, the number one I, seed slots instead of making Kansas that No, and, that, and that's, probably, that's probably right. But, again, if they, if they were to beat Nova, split maybe these road— maybe, maybe their only loss the rest of the way is splitting one of these two road games with Creighton and, um, and Butler, and then you win out the rest of the way— I don't think it would require you winning the Big East Championship to get a one seed at that point. I really don't. I think it. I, you can't go, out in, can't go out in the quarters, right? Yeah, you can't go out in the quarters. Um, Maybe. And but, well, the committee of late has shown that conference championships don't really factor. affect much. Correct. That's true. But, it, but it does still, I mean, the championship itself doesn't, but the, the fact you're probably getting some more wins along yeah, the way. Yeah, but I'm just or, saying in terms correct. of, it's not, we've seen the past couple of years, they're not. It seems not, like it's decided already. Like, like three or four years ago, if you saw a team make a run that they weren't expected to, to make, you could realistically see a T jump three or four seed lines. Yeah, I don't think we've seen much of that the last couple yeah. Of years. Yeah, that's best part. I think and it's I don't been mind that. I don't either because like, I, I, I think the conference tournaments are weird. They're almost like preseason tournaments yeah. where everyone's just kind of out of their element. Weird things happen. Certain teams don't need the wins, and I think it throws off the bracket when you jump a team that's supposed to be a seven up to a four. Yeah. It's sort of like the NBA draft when they be based too much on the NCAA tournament. It's right. like, well, that's probably not as indicative of the entire regular season that we've already seen from Th- this guy was one thing for 32 games. He was another thing for, for six. five games. Yeah. yeah and now games. he's now he's, you know, the, the best thing since sliced bread. That's why I always laugh at like everybody says, well, no team that's won the title has not had a guy drafted. Da, 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 da. No crap, because the guy got hot that carried him to the title and he, and got, he got, got drafted because of that. Yeah, that makes sense. It's good logic. Uh, it else? doesn't happen often, so I'm going to enjoy that. Anything else from the Xavier game that you want to point out? 
Not really. I don't. I don't unless okay. unless you guys have any more concerns about what's going on with Xavier. But no, I, I, this is who they are. Like yeah. we're twenty two games in, twenty three games in, whatever it is. When they play really good teams, they're going to step up to that challenge. When they play average teams, they step down to that challenge. And fortunately for them, they have Trayvon Blewett and the other team doesn't. And they find a way to win. Like, that's the book right now. Like, if their defense had sucked uh, against Creighton or at Seton Hall recently, you know, I mean, the last month against the good teams they played, been pretty good. their defense looked a lot right, better. And right. then all of a sudden it's Georgetown and a team that I honestly St. think they, they match up pretty well with. I mean, St. John's, I don't think they match up well with. Georgetown, they don't have small quick guards that should give Xavier right. problems. Like they've got some post well, players, but Xavier's plenty big enough to handle big post players. And Shamari Pons gave Duke oh, not that that says much because Duke doesn't defend, but still, I mean, the guy's just a good player. He yeah, is a good player. He's a tough matchup, especially for Xavier. So that that game was a little bit different to me with Georgetown. It's just like they just, I'm just didn't saying, show but their up defense defensively. Wasn't good against St. John's, right. and then it wasn't good against Georgetown after two weeks of a trend where we were talking about, hey, if this is the type of defense they can play. They're in. They're definitely in the mix. They're yes. they're in conversation for a Final Four. If they're, you know, if they're a top twenty-five defense like they look like against Creighton and, and Seton Hall, they've got every chance to make a Final Four. If they're the seventieth defense like they look like against St. John's and Georgetown, you have doubts. They're a second weekend team instead of a third weekend team. Speaking of defense, I think the UConn fans are still standing waiting for a basket um, to, so to be funny. made. That was the, that was the best. That was so funny. UC goes to, to UConn and, yeah. and wins. Um, what was it? Ten minute mark? Just just right underneath, around the, right around yes, the ten minute mark. 13, and, and they're like, uh, I don't know if you, I don't think UC I, the UC fans don't do that, right? Um, no, the student section does. does but well, that's the whole that student fan base doesn't. Obviously, yeah. I know Xavier fans do the, do the same thing, which is they stand and clap until the first basket's made. And yesterday they were standing and clapping and standing and clapping and standing and clapping. A bunch and standing of them sat clapping. down after the second media timeout. <laughs> was, they were like, that, that, maybe that should be the thing. Is if, if you get to the second media timeout without a bucket, you are allowed to sit down at that point. But um, UConn was what what you expect them to be. They just they don't look like they care. And that's not a knock on the win. It's still you go on the road, you beat a conference opponent. Good for you. They just look like they don't care. It, it, it was funny. I was listening to Mick in the post game, and uh, he was talking about. One of the reasons it was maybe a little bit closer than expected outside of UC just kind of put it in cruise control the last 10 minutes. Yeah, I mean, they were up 15 and they just started playing clock. Yeah, um, is because they have three guards, three guys that are, you know, basically point guards on the floor at all times, and it, it makes it difficult to turn them over. And I, personal opinion, I thought, well, Mick, what makes it very difficult to turn them over is that they don't pass. So it's very hard to turn a team over that doesn't pass. Skinny, they had five assists. Five. Five. Four by one guy. And four by one guy. And two of those were in the last, like, three minutes. Right. Like, for most of the game, they had three assists. You know, part of that is that they play too much one-on-one and, one and are selfish. Part of that is they don't make shots. It's hard it's, to well, get an assist if right. you miss that, the shot. That's the part that has to actually take place, too. The, the pass that then gets the ball in the basket. Yes, I, I agree on both of those fronts. But if you watch them, it is nothing but isolation. Yeah, it is. It, a- it, against the matchup zone. Against the matchup zone, or even when they played man. Well, I know, but think that. That's why they played matchup zone, right. because they, they, they're not going to move the zone. You can just kind of hang out. It's unbelievable how bad that program is right now. It's unbelievable. It is. It really is. They've won four national titles since 1999. Well, right now they're going to finish sub 500 and be on probation probably at some point and, and collapse and die. And Danny Hurley will be their next coach. And he might be. He might be. I do want to talk about Kyle. So bad. I do want to talk about Kyle Washington last couple games. Um, it just feels like 
for whatever reason, there's a different intensity level with him. Is that a Washington? Washington. Okay. Wash, wash, wash. Okay. You say tomato, I say tomato. Where, where's, potato, where's, potato. where's the R? Can you find me the it, R in it, his it's name? A, it, it's, it's a silent R. <laughs> it's a silent spelling R. Silent You're spelling right. R. It is yeah. a silent, silent R. Silent spelling R. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, Kyle Washington. How about that? He's been phenomenal. He's not I, from the state of Washington either. It, you know, it's interesting with him. There were a lot of people like at games or whatever that I would talk to pregame as I'm making my rounds. Why is Mick so hard on him? Why is he constantly messing with the kid? Why is he constantly Because he's got a skill set. It's because he wanted Kyle to be the Kyle we've seen the past couple weeks. There's a skill set there. Well, and a lot of it is he's just been 10 times better on defense than he has been in in his time at UC. Guys aren't getting deep post position and turning around and laying it in on him anymore. Guys... Teams aren't going at him and just absolutely abusing him to the point that you have to take him off the floor. The more he's on the floor, the more he's going to put the ball in the basket. And he's playing with a lot of confidence. I think playing next to Gary helps him because he knows Gary's going to do a lot of the dirty work. So if he just chips in, like he had he had eight rebounds in the first right. seven minutes yesterday. Right. And, and is just playing with a, a consistent intensity that he hasn't played with uh, previous to this little stretch right now. And if that senior year, Kyle, is setting in. Yeah, the down the stretch, so you only got X number of games that left. That gives you three. Yes. That gives you Jake, Gary, and Kyle. This team's going to be really hard to deal with. They're, go back to um, Houston. If Gary Clark and Kyle Washington go five of seven from three, right. you're done. You're right. not beating Cincinnati. Yeah. And – He's just playing well. He, they're. He, I, I think he's also kind of controlling his emotions a little bit better and not letting. If something doesn't go right, initially he used to let that bother him and he'd sulk. Yeah. And he or pick up dumb fouls. Pick up dumb fouls. He let it get in his head. There's been a couple times here over the past three or four weeks where, I think he's had a bad first three or four minutes, and normally that would tank his whole game, and he's not letting that affect. The rest, he's able to, you know, he goes to the bench, he sits down, resets, he comes back in, and he's able to help. And I think that was uh, part of that is what's been really good for him is not knowing within the first three minutes whether you're going to have a good game from Kyle or a bad game. From well, Kyle. it's funny you talk about the rebounding too, though. It, it, that makes him the trailer on a lot of fast break stuff, and he, I think he's just a great trailer. He just is. Yeah, because I, I wish I had, I wish I had started doing this, counting the assistant coaches when he makes one of those Kyle shots that they're just like, what, what the hell was that? How, how did that ball go in the basket from where he shot it? Which is what UC fans have been doing since he got here. That there's at least twice a game. I just laugh because it's so awkward. And he's such a unique player offensively. There's never been, I don't know. Like there's never been anyone like him that I've ever seen offensively. He reminds me not because they have the similar moves or whatever, but Travis Taylor for Xavier, because he was like smaller. He had all these weird angles he'd work and he'd like shoot from the side of his body and stuff when he was in the post. And it was like weird stuff. I see a lot of that with Kyle where he just shoots from angles and from like spots that other people don't shoot that way. And it, it's so that left hook, it's so fast. And he yeah, can, it's just like a throw. It's it, like a little slingshot. Yeah, because it's not it's, it's not it's not a big sweeping hook and it's not a pure jump hook. It's just a, it is. It's kind of a weird throw. This just hit me. You know, you know what he kind of reminds me of? An old man playing at the Y. Bronson Arroyo pitching. 
just from different angles. You never know where, where it's the, coming yeah, from, where it, what at, what velocity, what like what it's going to be. That was deep. It was deep. I like that. Does, I thought that's pretty good. Does he have a slider in his repertoire? Have you seen some of the shots he takes and I makes? Do. Maybe he does. <laughs> Maybe he does. Um, you see now with a three-game lead inside the American, um, Wichita's struggles have, have continued. Um, I know that, that doesn't surprise you, Rick Roaring, correct? Doesn't really? surprise any of us. We all talked about it. Rick was. I think it surprises the Wichita fan base. Oh, really? Yeah. It's, it's odd that I haven't heard them. I was saying, have you gotten tweeted at lately from the Wichita fan base? I've been fairly vocal after every loss. All of a sudden, they don't want to tell me how wrong I am. That's interesting. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. <laughs> Maybe going on the road in the American is a little tougher than going on the road in the Valley. Hmm. 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 Who, who, who knew? Huh? Us. Who, who knew? Us. We're, we're, very, we're very wise in this room. Yeah. Um, I, I do want to touch on one other thing in the league. SMU did not, does not have shake, did not have shake Milton lost. They're, they're now playing their way out for the most part. They're not. Without Jure Foster, they, yeah. don't, they can't. They're not going to be able to get in. And the, the shake thing is weird because it's, undis- it's an, an undisclosed hand injury. And they didn't really say how long it would be. He, it would be how, right. what what he's dealing with and how long they're not going to have him. It was more like did he test positive for a hand injury? He did test positive <laughs> for a hand injury. Mm. And it, it was more like Shake Milton has a hand injury. He's out tonight, and we'll see when he comes back. Well, that's bad for them because that, without Shake and without Jerry Foster, they're not an NIT team. Might just be a two game hand injury though. I think those hand injuries are three games. Oh, okay. It sometimes get reduced to two if you run the steps. Oh, okay. Because your hands, your your feet aren't hurt. Violation of uh, hand protocol. Yes. Yes, indeed. Um, <laughs> I know we have some questions on Xavier and UC to touch on, right? Got we've got a lot of people now that, that really feel like they're a big part of this podcast. Well, I like it. I'm good with that. I, I'm not saying I'm I like bad the guy with, with the A. He wants to. He like do, just do it for just give him an A. Hey. We have one guy send us 14 things. Okay. Like he, like he, he bullet list. Madster, Mad Exter is now the producer of this podcast. I like it. It's that fine. Would, it we need one. A, it would have been a forty-five minute podcast just answering <laughs> those questions. He wants St. John's Duke, Big Baller Bust. How many teams does the SEC get in? Thoughts on top ten teams not named X and UC. Thoughts on Ohio State. Who you got in the Super Bowl? Thoughts on Izzo. Like, hey, hey. hey. <laughs> um, all right. SEC might get eight in, by the way. Uh, yeah, they're kind of trending that way. They, <laughs> no, the, the, no, the national landscape is kind of trending that yeah, way for yeah. them. Well, yeah, and and the teams that they need, their the collusion in the SEC is very good. They're good at that. Yes. Yeah. The the teams, it just means more there. No the one's SEC. better than the Big East. St. John saved their win for Duke. Yeah. Yes, right, right. Non conference <laughs> in the middle of the conference slate. <laughs> a team that could potentially not win a game still in the league. Right. I think the bottom three of the Big East are winless against the top seven right now. Just the, the, the highest collusion level is, collusion. Yeah, the yeah. collusion is strong. <laughs> um, according to some UC fans, X is lucky. X is very lucky to be twenty and three, twenty one and three. Curious to hear your thoughts on this luck. Well, you you mentioned it. I mean, lot, I mean, but they. Here's the thing. Yeah, yes, they've had some fortunate bounces. Yes, they've had some things that have gone their way. But you still like Trayvon Blewett has to make that shot to get a four point play. Correct. Like they still are taking advantage. When the door opens, the door is opening for them a little wider than than it normally does, but then they're kicking it down when they've got the opportunity. So, I mean, yeah, it, you know, if you're a, a UC fan, it can certainly be frustrating, and I was frustrated last night, but you have to give them credit for taking advantage. Well, the, the other thing, too, and this is kind of from my, my Harvey Updike who poisoned the Auburn trees and said, just got to do it, Paul. Roll damn tide. I'd hate to do this for UC fans, but I got just got to do it. Xavier. 
they kicked your ass. They did. I mean, that wasn't lucky. That no. was not. That wasn't lucky. So yeah, I, and, I, I I would say in the spirit of the Super Bowl, you know who else is pretty lucky. Tom Brady. Tom Brady. Tom Brady and yeah. the Patriots. Yeah. There tends to be a reason when you do it over no, there is. and it, over and over No, it, and over it, it's again. funny you say that because growing up, you know, you, you, you start to see these teams and it feels like, I mean, Alabama. Was Alabama in the national championship game lucky or are they good enough when the luck presents itself to that's finish the, that off? Right. That's the, the, the thing is, like, and I'm not ready to put Xavier in this realm, but, like, why are the Patriots great? Because when, when they you, need to make a play, when you open the door, they run through it. Yes, and and when they open the door, they tend to close it real quick. When they make a mistake, next thing you know, it's three and out, and they got the ball back. Yes, when you make a mistake, it's Gronkowski for forty-seven yards down the middle for a touchdown. Like that's that's what good teams do. That's what good programs do. And yeah, seeing. You know, balls bouncing around, and all of a sudden it goes to a Xavier guy that that bangs in a three or what? It, like that gets frustrating for a UC fan, but it keeps happening over and over. Why? Because they bang the shot. Correct. That's that's the more frustrating part than the ball bouncing around and them getting a fortunate fifty fifty ball going their way. Yeah. They turn around and they bang in the shot and they make you pay for your point guard bending over at the knees. And reaching at a ball instead as, as of getting opposed, on the floor yeah. for it and securing it. It's funny. You, you watch this guy even, or any UC fan, I, I would assume, watch a Xavier game, and you would swear Xavier's the first team to secure an offensive rebound or a loose ball <laughs> in the history of sports. It's like, oh, my God, every time. They just no, get so no, no, lucky. No, 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 no. It's uh, the specific funny. one that we saw last night where it's in the other guy's hands. It is. And then all of a sudden it, it bounces like boing, 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 and then three, I bang, mean, and... What should be a like? It's a five point swing, like you said. That rebound happens to a lot of teams. They just don't make the three pointer, yeah. so you don't notice it. And exactly. You don't remember it. Yeah. No, that that's what it is. I mean, that's in Northern Kentucky high school football, Highlands for years and years and years and years and years. Or you you talk about it with no it, the it, great it, teams in Cincinnati, just great teams. You in general. make a mistake, they they, make, be, they they make you pay for that mistake. That's correct. That's is that what luck? It is. is that luck? I don't know. Uh, there's there's a portion of it is luck, but the other portion is making it happen when the luck presents itself. Exactly. And, and you have to give Xavier a lot of credit for doing that. Um, what teams in the tournament would be bad matchups for UC and X? I'm going to go Villanova would be a bad matchup for UC. It's, That's, a bad, it's a bad matchup for probably the 67 other teams that will be in the tournament <laughs> um, for the most part. No, but let's let's start with UC. What, if, if there's a couple that you could look at and go, um. I mean, any team that's got guards that can make contested shots are going to be a, a bad matchup because UC is going to defend you. If you can put the ball in the basket, you can make them pay for it. Um, I mean, off the top of my head, I I think Virginia would be like really difficult for UC just because a team that's going to bog down and play for like low possessions, UC is going to do the exact same thing back. Yeah. And I don't know that... Like, UC's really good. I don't know that they're necessarily better at that game than Virginia is. Virginia's the best in the country at it. Like, right. So if they play in a 50s game with Virginia, I'd, like, I would feel really nervous about that. I would feel nervous about it, but the point being in a 50s game is, is Jacob Evans going to make the last shot or is Kyle Guy going to make the last shot? Like, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, like, if you see it, in, if in Virginia play, you, there's a pretty good estimation that you'll that be, game you'll, is... You'll be chewing your nails yeah, for, from, 40, for minutes. 40 minutes. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of teams, like, in the middle of the pack... Alabama. No. Because well, they just don't like Colin Sexton's really good, 
But I don't think they have the per- like Marquette. I think would be Oklahoma a bit of a nightmare for UC. That's a good one. Oklahoma, yeah, just because you never know with Trey Young, like he he consistently can put up thirty. I I don't think I would feel overly like. I I think I would like UC's chances against Oklahoma. Let me ask you this one because this is one I think would could be a potential disaster for Xavier, but at the same time, like it's a team that they could make a giant comeback on. Like my guess is if they played West Virginia is the yeah. team I'm thinking yeah, of. I was th- yeah. Xavier would get down by 13 to 18 in the first half. It'd be about eight to ten at halftime, and then they'd go on like a 26 to five run in the second half and end up winning. That's my guess because yeah. they eventually they'd quit turning the ball over and West Virginia would go eight minutes without scoring because that's what they do. What do you think? How would UC's point guards handle the press? Would they be all right? I think the point. See, the weird thing is this year is the point guards haven't been the turnover problem. It's been Evans and Cumberland more than than anybody. Yeah, um, but, but you feel confident against like pressure like that because I don't know that they yeah. had seen a press come at them like that. Yeah, I think it would be kind of similar. I think it, it, once they adjusted to it, I think they would be fine because they'd lock West Virginia down. They'd lock West Virginia down for one and for two. You've got Evans and Cumberland on the wings. That if you can get them free, if you free them up in the press, they will attack and go to the rim and and beat you. And like Skinny mentioned, as a trailer, Kyle Washington's deadly. Yes. So if you have him trailing in a pressure situation, he's going to get a lot of open looks. And, and you know, Gary Clark, that would be a, a an interesting matchup with him and Kanate at the rim. Um, yeah, I think as long as they would be willing to keep attacking it, yeah. they'd be good. As long as they don't pull it out and try to like start getting into the slow it down stuff, yeah. They'd and be I, good and I think them. the thing with West Virginia, like we talked about last week, like that the book is out. Yeah, I don't know why it takes every year for the same book to get out when, until somebody beats them, but the book is out on them right now. Yeah. I, I Marquette would be a nightmare. Because those dudes, no matter how good the defense and, and is, they I, just chuck from anywhere. I still think it's iffy if they get in. I agree, but everybody's bad. Correct. Well, not bad. Everybody's on the on the mediocre train is what they are. Everybody from the 10 seed to the first first and second four outs. Yeah. The, everybody is in that same bunch. Yeah. Pick names out of a hat and figure out who's going to make it. Now, Marquette, as we talked about before the show... We had a great show meeting today. We did. A great show meeting. That was today. really good. Like three hours of prep. As, as we talked about before the show, Marquette's got some opportunities that, that really one or two more resume building wins, and they're probably in because they're in a league that's got seven teams that are probably going to make it. So, right. you know. They don't have any bad losses along the way left either. It's all, right. it's everyone that's in the top 60, basically, of RPI and right. Ken Palm. So, all right. What else we got off the, off the mailbag? Was yours West Virginia? West Virginia would be one oh, yeah, that would, sorry, yes, would at yeah. least worry me a little bit because of how Xavier has a tendency to turn the ball over, and West Virginia would just they would thrive off that, obviously. But I think eventually Xavier would correct it to the Xavier team because you're, you're just get, you're waiting for them to get hot for three possessions in a row. They bang in three threes against that. Yeah, nine, and, 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 and suddenly, yeah, and suddenly seven to nine point lead for for Xavier would be. And, and a mountain to and climb. And Xavier almost always goes on a run or two during right. a game offensively. So I don't think that's a big concern. For Villanova, they're both going to be protected seeds, so they shouldn't be in the same you know region. Um, I like. I mean, any team. Trey Young would be a nightmare because they can't stop a guard that can score. Yeah, he and, might put fifty on X without question. I think. Um, and any team with the small, quick scoring guards. Really, I, I'm having a hard time with thinking off the top of my head who that would be, but. There's not many. That's I mean, that's the, that's the thing. And if they are, they're they're probably on teams that don't have they other parts. Most of them, yeah, yeah they're, they're Marquette and they're St. John's and, and Arizona, Arizona State. State. Yeah, 
I mean, Duke would be a problem for Xavier. Yeah, but Trayvon Duvall can't shoot. Like, he can't make you pay like those other yeah, guys but he, have. But, he, but Xavier would let him get to the rim and get off for a big night, and then Grayson Allen would probably have a big night because Xavier doesn't stop guards. And then inside, yeah. you got Bagley, who's a nightmare for everyone. So That's right. Um, Xavier scored 105 on them, though. Yeah. Odds that a certain game on February 17th will be number one facing number two. Very low. Yeah, I mean, <coughs> Villanova's number one or number two right now? No, rank, rank, no, number one by far. They, yeah, they, they, one. Although they were, they had 63 or 65 first-place votes two weeks ago. This past week they slipped to 39 first-place votes because Virginia got a few more off the win, the win uh, at, at, Duke. at Duke. Xavier, I just don't think you're not how – how do they pass Virginia, Virginia and, and Purdue? And Purdue. It's hard, hard to see that Especially happen. with their schedule that's coming up where they're likely to take a bump right. and drop. Um, I, I don't think that's very likely. I think two top five. Yes. Yeah. It's fair. Why isn't Shannon tweeting more during UC games? <laughs> I'm just going through the questions, guys. You don't have to go through all of them. Another one real quick for us. All Best right. and worst facilities in each conference. Uh, what's the one thing you would improve at X and UC basketball program-wise? Program? He's going to have the best facilities. Well, the you, UC program-wise, I would have told you the arena. Well, that's getting fixed. Yeah. I don't think there's a whole lot they're left wanting for at this, this point. Uh, Private jet? But that's private not a, jet. But that's, for, not a, yeah. that's not a facility, though. The that's private not, jet that's not for recruiting issue. would be one thing that that would make life a lot easier. Um, I don't think people realize the the ease that the programs that have easy access you practice. No, until John, four. John Calipari can can literally have practice till that time. Get on a plane, go see a kid play, and be back at home by ten o'clock at night. Yeah, instead of having to go to the airport yeah. and fly commercial on an off day and do the things that you have to do like th- that. That is a big recruiting push for the teams that have it. UC doesn't have it right now. How about for, for Xavier? I think the biggest thing that they need is more money just to pay a coach. If they, <laughs> if they, could, pay, if they could pay Chris Mack about 4 or $5 million, I think you'd then you would have to Then you would have to sweat every offseason. You'd feel really Especially good. this offseason. Um, but, I mean, but they don't. They're, yeah, they're in a good position either way. I, there's just not much. Xavier puts so many resources into their basketball program. Like I don't even know what – Cintas Center is a perfect basketball watching. Facility. I think it's great. It's one of, it, 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 it is it is truly and, and the fact that they then upgraded some smaller they upgraded amenities. the upgrades. Yeah, correct. They upgraded every year. I mean, they do something new for the fans every year to keep that place looking good. Um, I, I don't know what else you would really do. They fly charter. Chris has access to a private plane, and and so do his assistant coaches when they're recruiting. So, I think that's. That's pretty much uh, it right now. Is just if they could pull out another two million, two point five million to pay a head coach, <laughs> and that's just not going to happen. So. Um, this is an interesting one that we. I don't know if Rick has come up with an answer for this yet. One recruiting loss from the last one to three years for each team that, looking at it now, would take them to the next level or fill a need. I think both in terms of taking them to the next level, they're at the next level. Like, what's the level above being fifth and sixth in the country? Well, the fact that you would, you would but to fill a need. Yeah. Okay. The the two guys I came up with, um, and I think that we've talked about this bench scoring. I think Keith Williams and Trevor Moore are going to be very good, but they are not guys that can consistently come in and get you ten to twelve points off the bench. UC missed on Kai Bowman, who has been a stud, an absolute stud at Boston College. Can't blame the kid. He made the, he made the right decision for the kid. Right. He looked at that situation and said they T- stink. Touches and buckets. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna play nonstop. Yep. I'm gonna. That's my spot, and he would have been if you had a, a towel. They were in very heavily with, and then when Cumberland committed, he said, "I'm not. 
going there with Jacob Evans and Jaron Cumberland. I get it. Smart kid. Right, I get it. Yeah, he made the right call. I, I don't I don't fault either of them for the decisions. But if they had that one other guy in the rotation to come off the bench and put buckets on you, this team would be really lethal. Yeah, they don't have a consistent – I mean, Kane can come in and give you your 8-10, to 10, but there's nobody really else. Keith did hit a big shot at the end of the yeah. first half yesterday. But I mean, in terms but, of – But not consistent. On the wing. We're not talking 8-10 to 10 points yeah. consistently. Yeah. So. Those would be my two. Did, about, you, did you ever come up with one, Rick? You know, a, a name that I think would have been interesting is – Ding, 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 ding. Xavier Sneed. Yeah. Giving them a big, long, athletic defensive stopper on the wing – my, I mean, just thinking of guys that they were close that were close to committing at one point. Um, obviously, Xavier Sneed went to Kansas State, right. but I, I think I think that would be a guy who could help them right now. Yeah, I agree. I think that would be an interesting one. Um, he would give them definitely something that's not on the roster. Yeah, like I think Najee Marshall is the better long term prospect, but, but Sneed would be the better, and he'd be older. Yeah, so he'd be a little more ready right now. The interesting thing with Xavier, we were talking about this. The guys they've missed on haven't developed like haven't panned out so they've gotten kind of lucky in that regard and i mean just think about the point guard situation in 2016 for example it was xavier simpson xavier simpson xavier simpson xavier simpson um xavier simpson decided said he was going to commit to us and now has decided he's not going to announce that so something's going on so then quentin gooden quentin gooden xavier simpson quentin gooden xavier simpson all that plays out then they get the Quint- the commitment from Quentin Gooden after he visits, and Kobe Simmons becomes an option. And Chris Mack says, look, we told Quentin Gooden and his family that he was our point guard coming in in this class. We told him we weren't going to recruit another point guard with him. We're going to stick to that. We're not going after Kobe Simmons, a five-star. Kobe Simmons plays one unspectacular year, decides to go pro early, is fizzling and, out. And, and Xavier Simpson and Xavier Simpson not very good. has not worked out for Michigan. And, and, and Quentin Gooden is your starting point guard on a team that's we're talking about being a one seed. Yeah, and, and did really well last <laughs> and last year, year to get it in the league. Right, correct. And and credit to Chris Mack. I know Rick and I both watched Quentin Gooden a lot and thought I don't know that he's a one. I think he's a combo. I think I don't I don't know that he's a full time legitimate high level Big East point guard. We and, missed on that one. And it's funny because we thought he'd be a good scorer, yeah. but wouldn't necessarily be able to run a team at that level. And it's been kind of the opposite. And it's been the exact opposite. Yeah. He's been great running the team, a great setup man, and he's learning to score all of a sudden. If you follow both of us, we don't get too many evaluations dead wrong. That one, we that was a swing and a miss for both of us because we agreed. We were both like, I'm not seeing what Chris sees, like, which doesn't and, happen. And and like by the time you got to NBA players camp and all that stuff better. like that, you could definitely see it coming. But earlier on when they first started recruiting him hard, it was like, I don't know. He seems more of like a two to me, like a big time scorer, but it worked out. Uh, one last thing on UC and Xavier, and then we'll go to Kentucky. Should UC be worried this team is overrated? Best win on paper right now is neutral court versus Buffalo. Florida loss looks worse by the week. AAC is conference is a dumpster fire. My eyes tell me this is a different Mick Cronin team, but looks can be deceiving. And that's fair. I, I think that I, yeah, I, I, think, I, I think I don't the, think it's out of bounds. No, I think for the Xavier fan base, it's the playing down of the competition. I think for the UC fan base, it's um, we don't know. We don't know because the AAC is a dumpster fire. That said, you've made the point. You know what? Go dominate the league. And so far, ten and zero for the most part. They have they haven't just won. They've had a couple on the road. The Temple game on the, the road. Temple game, but really, that's it. Like Central Florida, but you and the margin, was, the margin yesterday, but that was a fifteen point game for yeah, the most they part. Kind of, yeah, put their foot on the brake and they got some guys a little bit of rest by just milking the clock. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think it's fair. I think what is different is that 
there are more guys in a game that can get you out of a slump. It's not when you go cold for three or four minutes. And I love this in, in college basketball. Oh, my God. They got to stop. Why, why does this team always go cold for three or four minutes? Every team Teams goes do. cold for three or four minutes. That's basketball. It's pulling yourself and not making it like a Kentucky did. We'll talk about that. Minute. A six minutes or eight yeah. minutes. Yeah. So, But they're not getting stuck in these long seven, eight minutes, one for 14 droughts. You've got different guys that can bail you out of it. So I think that's why this team is different. I agree. It would be nice to have a little bit better of, a, of an idea, but you were supposed to because Florida was supposed to be really, really, really good, and UCLA was supposed to be really, really, really good. And as it turns out, neither of those teams are very good, and both are going to probably make the tournament, but not in great position. But the, but the thing, and I, I, this is where i got to go back to, I, we, I think fans, a lot of time, you look at your team in a vacuum, and you don't see all the stuff that's going on outside. Yeah. Dude, this is just about every team in the country. Right. I mean, you know, the, the Florida um, Florida game doesn't look as good now, but some of Florida's lost in the league. Now, look, they shouldn't lose the Loyola. I'm, I'm going to give yeah. you the Loyola game. You don't. You shouldn't lose that. But, but but Mississippi State now looks almost as right about the same metrics as Florida, and you beat them at home. Right. So it hasn't panned out perfectly the way that you would want the schedule to pan out, but you've got eight games left. They're all against top 100 teams. You've got a couple and three of really, games, three, three, three really, three tough really tough road games. Well, SMU may be not as tough depending on who plays, but right. still, but three, three, three well, fairly still tough. Moody is going to be a tough player Correct. to win regardless. You've got three tough road games coming up. We'll have a lot better idea in two weeks. Somebody called this trip coming up the Texas two-step. I like that. That is good. At SMU at Houston next week. Um, but we have. A, I think we have a good idea. I think we'll have a better idea going forward. But I, I, don't, I don't feel as much concern as I did when – if a team shuts down Sean Kilpatrick, you're left with Justin Jackson and Titus Rubles. I, I feel a lot better knowing if they shut down Jacob Evans that Gary Clark, Kyle Washington, and Jaron Cumberland are on the team. I agree. I think this UC team is different from teams in years past, and I think my tone has reflected that all year. Like last year, I didn't believe in that UC team. This year, I do. They have more scoring options. Yeah, well, and I think some of it too is other than Cambridge, the personnel is basically the same as last year, right? And that, I think that's what you see, and you think. I see the same personnel, but it, it, it's not the same personnel at the same time. I mean, that, that's the part of it. I think that's what you see. That's what you insu- assume, and it's just not. Yeah, and the ball was in Troy Copain's hands right. a ton last year, and I think he would probably tell you he didn't have the senior year that he wanted to have. And I would what? say, say for this, the, the same personnel was really good last year, ran into a really good team in the tournament, and, and got beat. Score with them. And now that same group is back in, in, a, in a college basketball landscape where you just don't have that. Yeah. You just don't. My thing about UC is I don't question, are they good? I think they are good. Um, Without question, they deserve to be ranked where they are, and I think they're legitimately as good as those teams that they're ranked with. My bigger concern with the American is, does it hurt them not being challenged since, you know, those early non-conference games to what you've played a legit top 25 team. That's fair. You know, that's that's my bigger concern is, yeah, you, you've got the, – the league is, is in a dumpster fire now. You've got and, some media – And then media suddenly round two of the NCAA tournament, you look up and you go, that's a pretty good team over there. Yeah, but but like your best team – your next best teams kind of – I mean, there's Wichita State, which they still have to play. But aside from Wichita State, the rest of those teams are like hoping to get into the tournament. You know, on bubble-type teams, they're mediocre. So how much of the 
top tier talent has UC seen? And does that affect you just not being acclimated to it? Because I think I've seen a big difference for Xavier going from the A10 where for two months you just saw teams that you were better than nonstop to all of a sudden getting that shock in the NCAA tournament to now going from the Big East where it's every single game you can lose. And then all of a sudden you're in the NCAA tournament. It's like, we faced that. Yeah, I mean, like it's it's not nearly as big of a deal, especially in that first round game where where you're going to be favored. I agree. All right. Yes. Transitioning. Yes, we are. How about how about is it a realistic concern for Cats fans even making the tourney if they drop a few more? And you talking about Kentucky Wildcats? Kentucky. Yeah. I don't think they're, they're going to make the tournament. They're going to make the tournament. Um, they might be a nine seed. They are. They are as of yesterday. But yesterday morning, Bracket Matrix had them as a four seed, and that's probably and, if you look around it, that's probably accurate, right? They do have a difficult schedule left. Um, they have Tennessee at home at Texas A&M, which will be playing life and death because they are bracket matrix. Right? They're actually in the tournament as a 10 seed right now, but that's another resume win for them. At Auburn, which I still question, but they just keep grinding out wins and cranking out wins. Alabama, which is playing really, really well. They just went to Florida. Whether you think anything of Florida, Blew they them out. rolled them in Florida. Um, play at Arkansas, which is a tournament team. Missouri back in, in Rupp. Um, again, you're back in Rupp, and that's a good thing. Uh, Ole Miss, which maybe is the big layup of the ones left, and, and at Florida. I mean, you could conceivably win two or three of those games. And honestly, if you did that, I still think you're a seven seed. I don't think it's even a matter of do you not make the tournament. I could see them, if they really struggle, falling back to a nine or ten. You're assuming those nines and tens start doing stuff too, though, man. And I, I, I'm Texas with you A&M right now is a ten. I just don't think it's likely that this UK team only wins like one or two more games. Oh, I don't I, either. I'm, I'm going if this guy's this guy's asking kind of a worst right. case scenario. And I think that's the worst case scenario. What if they only win one or two more games? If they only win like one more game, I, th- I think they're on the bubble. I mean, they're 11, 10, somewhere in there and maybe even getting played I off. Don't. I don't. I just don't. I, I Not at all. Be, just because. I, I'm going to do are the wins that save them? That, and that. that's fair. No, I've, I've been critical of it all year. I mean, trust me, I've been one that's you and I have been as critical of this team as anything, and I'm not going to stop being critical of them now. The, the but, schedule is tough, and it gives them the opportunity to pick up a couple of those wins. But right now, what are the wins that save them if they only say win two to three more games the rest of the year? Well, right now, Virginia Tech is in the tournament as an 11 seed. So if it came down to that, you beat Virginia Tech head to head. I mean, if we're talking, we're talking all the way out. We're not talking down to the nine line, the ten line. We're talking about all the way out. Chance they miss. I I just, I I don't either. But Marquette's right now in the eleven line. But that's only because I don't think they only win one more game. Yeah, I I think they at least win three or four. Worst case scenario. Yeah, I could see them. I legitimately see them losing every one of the road games that they have left. Yeah, I, I could too, but my, see that. but my hunch is that they don't. And I, the, no, and I, and I, I agree with that. The thing about the schedule, the way it sets up, is at least there's not a bunch of bad losses left for them. I'd be more concerned about that because they can lose to anyone, but there's opportunities for good wins, and then the losses won't kill them. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, right now, from a bad loss perspective, Missouri is actually in the tournament. So is that a bad loss? I mean, I'm going bracket matrix. Whether you think they're in or not, I'm just going off of this. Yeah, it's, is, is that a bad loss? The way they loss? played is a bad loss. Agree. We're going to touch on that in a minute. It's certainly a bad loss at Rupp Arena. If they lose, yeah. If they yeah. lose them, on, if, on, if it on happens the at home, it's a bad Agreed. loss. Um, I'm trying to think of other bad. I mean, they've got a win over Louisville. There's maybe a signature. They're, that's they're, their sig- that's yeah. their signature win. Yep. You know, Kansas isn't a bad loss, right? UCLA maybe is a bad loss. UCLA is kind of a bad loss. I don't know that it's a uh, bad. It's, it's, loss. A, it's a not loss. good loss. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a not good loss. Um, no, I, I get the fear of that. I, I think the fear would be more that they slide down seed lines and put themselves in a very precarious spot by being an 8-9 seed. But you made the point of, would you want to face them if you're a one seed? Hell no. I mean, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Especially like Virginia. 
you're going to grind Kentucky's offense to a halt, but guess what? They do that on their own. Right. Yeah. They're, they're thrilled. They're like, we only got to score 60 to win? Okay. We can do this. and we can win this game? Let's do it. Let's go, Cats. Spe- speaking of scoring, they C-I-T-S, really. C-I-T-S, Cats, Cats, Cats. They really struggled in the first half scoring yesterday. 18 um, on the number 72 defense in the country. Wow. Um, it, it looked like a week ago Kevin Knox had really turned a corner. I mean, he, he's a good player. I'm not, But you got to get more than what you got out of him yesterday. Look, if Kevin Knox is a 25, 22, 20, 23-point-a-game guy, it's a very different Kentucky team than if he's a four-point-a-game guy. No doubt. They don't have a difference maker offensively besides him. And when he's not good, offensively, they're really bad. That's I mean, it's pretty simple to me. I, I just wonder sometimes if these guys get caught up in thinking and trying to figure out like what they need to run and how to run the system properly and what they need to do to get themselves going instead of just beating the man in front of them. Because like when they got desperate at the end of the game, you'd watch Shea Gilgis Alexander just does a little like up and under freestyle move against this guy, gets an easy layup, and like Kevin Knox finally hits a shot or two. You know, it's like they played so awkward and dysfunctional on the offensive end for so long, and then all of a sudden it's like, just the sense go. Of, the We've complete go. sense of urgency. Yeah. And they just went to the rim and scored. And it's like, yeah, I get it. It's end-of-game situations are different. But to a certain extent, sometimes I think this Kentucky team just needs to go be talented. Just play. Well, I think, there was some, I, think there was, I think there was some of that in the West Virginia game. Yeah. I mean, suddenly you're down 17. Got to go. Yep. There's two or three guys on that Missouri roster that had no business staying in front of the guy that had the ball. Yeah. Beat him. Take him off the bounce. Beat the guy. Go get points. Now, I know Cal keeps lamenting the the the, the lack of ball movement and, and the passing. Um, I mean, is that some of it where maybe he's constantly in them about move the ball, move the ball, move the ball, as opposed to guys going, I'm just going downhill and see if a guy can stop me. Yeah, I think they also Are they need- caught up in, in the in the in the twitch in the tween there? Yeah, and I I think they also need like a go to set or action or something that when they're getting bogged down, what's something that's going to get you a basket that you can run two or three times in a row? Yeah. It doesn't have to be a set play, but like to me, I think it's a lob. I think it's, get, you know, run a little pick and roll that's lower and when you can throw, throw right the lob at the rim, one of your right. big men and let them go try to dunk it. Even if you don't complete it, run it two or three times. It's really difficult for other teams to guard and it's such a momentum builder. Like when you see an oop go through, your guys get fired up, give them a little bit of energy. They need something they, to be their go-to. I would action. say when they get bogged down, it feels like they really revert to just jacking up three, they, yeah. and, and it's just not. That's just not, that's not them. them. It's yeah. not. What were they? Two of twenty, I think, yesterday, something like that. And that's not going to change. They're not right. going we to talk become about a better right. shooting team. Right. So right. they need to figure something else out. I will say, I mean, their schedule down the stretch is very, very challenging. And the, the, the two-point fold is we're talking about the doomsday scenario, which the, which somebody asked us a question of. But you also have the flip side of you play your way back into the four, stay in the four-seed line. Maybe even as goofy as it sounds, you play really well down the stretch, move up to the three-seed line. Without question, because it's not like any of these teams scare UK in terms of their talent. They're, no one's going to, like, handle UK. In yeah, I, again, up. I... I I got to give Auburn all the credit in the world. I mean, what they've done record-wise, performance-wise, um, their record is what it is. And you can argue they haven't beaten top 40 teams, whatever the argument can be made. And it's not even an argument. It is a fact. But they keep winning. So you're playing them there, but it, it, that wouldn't scare me any more than, than a Missouri would scare me. No, right? No, I agree. <laughs> not with UK's talent. If UK plays well, they'll beat anyone they face in the stretch. But the problem is they just haven't played all that well for most of the conference season. No question. No question about it. All right. Uh, move on to NKU, Rick, where uh, Wright State helped them out a little bit. Um, 
And I still, I never did find, I, I called you yesterday because I saw a line, a, a betting line, and I never did, did confirm this, that Youngstown State was a seven and a half point favorite over Wright State last night. And I, it had to be the exact opposite, but it, I, I saw it in two different places. How much did you drink last night? No, no, I actually saw this, I tried to call him at like noon. He did. How much did you drink yesterday morning? Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> I, I was at work, so I couldn't log on and confirm it. Those sites are blocked from our Yeah, and our I'm, I'm at work right now, and I, I meant to check it again last night. But anyway, Wright State did end up, uh, end up winning, so both teams tied at 10 and 2. And you and I talked a little bit last night. The whole thing is trying to stay away from Oakland, and Oakland keeps putting itself in perfect position to finish fourth in this league, which means, in theory, you'd rather finish second, right? Although, first gets you at minimum an NIT bid. Yeah, I think for for NKU at this point, you just want to win the conference. Absolutely. Just get the one seed. And get, it's still, I, I guarantee think, you the NIT I, bid. I think it would mean, I mean, it's good. people don't really care about conference championships across the board. I still think it would kind of mean something. I, I think he just hit on something huge. Get the NIT bid. Yeah. Because, yeah, making the tournament is the goal, but you're probably not going to get an at-large NIT bid if you're in KU. Yeah. So win the regular season. Ensure yourself that you're playing a postseason again. Against some pretty good teams. Against good teams and doing it with still what is a very young core. Yeah, and getting some publicity, too. Because the NIT is still like people watch those games. They're on ESPN. It's not yeah. completely forgotten about like the CBI. Yeah, I think for, for any, any of the leagues like the Horizon, I think that is it, it, it's a big deal. I mean, it's a one-bid league, um, and, and that's the one thing I do like about the NIT is, is for leagues like that, you reward a conference champion, and, and I think that's a nice reward for that. Uh, the, the thing is, though, it, it really it's, it comes down to two games still. It comes down to Wright State and, and Illinois-Chicago. Um, they got a couple home games coming up, Green Bay and Milwaukee. Um, just won a game again yesterday over over Cleveland State. They went up to, to that area while the Youngstown game was was tight. They did what you got to do. There's two teams you should beat, even if it's on the road, and they, they ended up sweeping them and that come back well. home and get a chance to sweep again. Yeah, and they played well. The offense right. is looking good, like we talked about. That's what you wanted to see in these games. They've got a they've got a tough stretch. It's obviously going to decide a lot of things coming up. People have been asking me, you know, who, who do you want to win? Do you want Oakland to win, or do you want UIC to win? Like, how do you want to see that play out? Do you want Oakland to start winning games? To me, I just say let this Oakland team lose as many games as possible and become as dysfunctional as possible in that locker yeah, room. Yeah, and Get that's a possibility too. Out of sorts. They're six and five in the league now because it, it's at this point it's too hard to predict what's going to happen in terms of the seeding, and it's like you can't control it. Win as many games as possible. Let Oakland hope Oakland who, loses as many games they lose as possible. Too Day. Who's that? Oakland. Who's you? Um, I'll look while, while, we're, while we're talking. They, but they did. They're not six and five in the league. It was UIC. That's right. It was. I'm sorry. It was UIC. Yeah. How how are they six and five? Well, because it's because here's, here's the weird thing. They've won six games and then they've lost five games. I'm going to throw this microphone <laughs> at you. That's good math, actually. Yeah, it is good. While well, you asked how they six and five, I just thought I'd give you a fact. In six games, they scored more points than the opposition. Five games, the opposition scored more than them. That's well, how. that explains. No, but I mean, from Never a talent mind. perspective, it is. It, I, I it's a, it's absurd that they are six and five. In it's that unbelievable league. with with what they have on that roster that they've lost. I think it speaks five to the fact, the fact of, you know it's a dysfunctional group that and, you hope continues to get more dysfunctional and not a good Horizon League. No. This isn't the Horizon last year where you had there Alpo, was some quality. Like, yeah, this is this is. Not a good league right this year. The the metrics say it's a bad league this year, and they've lost five games. I'd fire Greg Campy, <laughs> dude. He's the coach for life, dude. He is the Oakland coach for life, without a doubt. <laughs> um, little recruiting tidbit: NKU it's did a big boy. They got yeah. NKU just added a JUCO guy that'll have three years of eligibility left. Six nine, two forty, athletic. Um, known as a defender and rebounder, but he can also shoot it out to three. So some straight line drives to the rims and dunks. Those are some things that that 
teams in the horizon. That that those are the differentiator guys. Th- those are the differentiators. He's Just a high major has athlete that. size right. guy. He right. is. A, and the thing is, they've got you know the young seven footer with some length and athleticism and mobility that's really thin. Now you add a, a brute kind of bruiser athlete to go with them they've got a nice front court developing for the future and obviously Carson Williams is still only a sophomore yeah um but yeah I, most of these teams in the league I mean if you've got a 6'9 6'10 guy he's probably an 18 minute a game four foul a game grab you a couple rebounds block you a couple shots you, you just don't that, that those are the differentiators that were really good guards obviously without and, question and, and so NKU certainly got got that feather um all right final take time for you Chad Brennell you got one today yeah I, I, do, I know actually. I know Rick Rick Boring does I want to go back to Joe Lenardi, who, following a day where Kansas loses for the third time at home, this time to an an average Oklahoma Oklahoma State State team that's in the bottom half of the Big 12. Bottom third, Bottom third. Bottom third. They are in the bottom bottom third third of the Big 12. And Duke loses to a St. John's team that hadn't won a game in Big East play. How many games did they win in the Big East? Zero. Zero Zero. for 11. Huh. It's a tough league. Joe, Joe Lenardi says... He's not moving Duke or Kansas at all in his in his bracket. I find after that- after those events, like you you just say you're a fraud with that. You just tell everybody I'm a complete fraud. All I'm doing right now, all the way up until the my last bracket that I submit, which is what I actually think, all I am doing right now is just being a complete shill for ESPN and protecting the mothership and the interests of the mothership because you what, 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 how can you not drop them what was but, his explanation for why not basically just they're they're not what they've done so far is greater than what happened yesterday so they stay where they are don't you think dropping St. John's is a bad loss, man? Don't you think dropping Duke big time though, or dropping those big name teams would be the more clickbait thing to do for you? You would man? think, yeah, and you don't even have to drop them big time. Just move them down a little bit for not getting the job done. But he holds firm. I just think they're they're so hell bent on anything ACC related for Duke. And Kansas because it's Kansas. But, but I go back to the whole SEC. You just lose Big, all credibility. Well, and I go back to the whole SEC Big 12 thing. I mean, I, I think that should ding the Big 12 a little bit. I do bit, too. Right? I said when they start cannibalizing each other, which guess what? They're starting to do again. They're starting to eat each other. I mean, you look in that league right now. I just had it up a second Texas ago. beat Oklahoma last night. Yeah. Um, you have the top two teams are 7-3, and three, Texas Tech and Kansas. Then the next two have four losses. Then you have two more with five, two more with six, two more with seven. They, they are eating each other up, but it's not like they went outside the league in the SEC Big 12 Challenge and made a point and made a statement that we're damn good. Yeah, they didn't go seven and three. Yeah. They went four and five or four and six or whatever it is. To me, it says how stupid bracketology is at this time of year. Like it's just, it's just dumb. Everyone's getting all worked up, and they're like getting excited. Oh, these matchups would be good. This would work out really well for us. If this happened. It's not going to happen that way. It's this, a month, like, a month and a week. <laughs> This is literally them just throwing teams together in random. So, like, I get the S-curve. What happens if time stands still, Rick? The S-curve makes a little sense to look at at this point. But in terms of, like, the matchups they're pinning against each other, that's silly to look at at this point. It's dumb. I just think it shows, like, the guy, first, the guy's bad at his job. If you look at the bracket matrix. Made this argument every year. He's, like, in the 20s and 30s every year in terms of accuracy of his bracket. And he gets to change it all the way up until, like, the moment moment before Selection Sunday. It's like anyone can get within the last two or three teams, basically. I got 67 of 68. Well, so did I. No crap. I I did it on paper. We all knew 65 (laughs) of them. Yeah, there were only two or three question marks. Other than that, it was a couple S-curve lines. Like That stuff just drives me nuts. I, I, I can't stand the premise. Like, I don't... 
have anything against Joe Lenardi personally or or what I just I hate the premise of that like but it's so stupid. Think what? anybody's ever bought tickets to like let's just say Xavier fans saw them in Pittsburgh and Bracketology. You think anybody already called up and said I'm going to order my tickets to Pittsburgh? I guarantee Kentucky fans have tickets to wherever is closest. Yeah, that's probably Nashville. Yeah. Nashville. Oh, I mean, not, they just go to Nashville regardless. Yeah, exactly. They don't care if UK's there or not. Yeah, right. They'll just watch it on TV anyway. We're taking over the bars and listen <laughs> Honey, to country music. We're already going to be Giants. in Nashville that weekend. You want to get some tickets? They might have to move from uh, Gatlinburg to, to Nashville. Go for that see weekend. the Cats. They love them. Go Cats. They love them. All right, I like your final take. It was a good one. How about you, Rick, Rick Boring? So there was an incident um, at an Florida. Incident an incident. I don't think it was an incident, but it was something. It was an incident. Okay. There was an incident at Florida where um, I don't know if all of our listeners are hip to the rap game at this point, but uh, Cardi B, a young lady who has taken the rap game by storm, has a hit song out right now. Um, well, actually, it's, it's getting a little older at this point, but it's called Bodak Yellow. And they Florida there's, played there's, that. There's a dance to it, right? Florida played that song. I mean... Kind of, yeah. I don't know that it's like a line dance that you do in a group like Florida's right. section tried to do with this plane over their loudspeaker. There need to be sanctions. Let's start there. What? I, I would start with considering the death penalty. I'll be honest. We need to send, the NCAA needs to send a clear message. That, and I'm not even talking about the cultural appropriation that someone is certainly mad about somewhere on Twitter. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about how ridiculous these asshats looked while trying to do this. It's benign student fun, man. Look, if you want to do like a little swag surf Storm the court. I'm not a big fan of that. If you want to put on a little swag surf and put your arms around each other and sway back and forth a little bit and yell. To Sweet Caroline? No, swag surf, I was thinking. But if you that... I can what, understand the harmless fun. Would you take on fun. a dab? Like a dab? Are, if, you, are you in for a dab? I'm, I'm fine with whatever. I you dab earlier. Whatever is easy and makes sense. But you're doing, you, you're having an entire student section shout rap lyrics that aren't just like repetitive. They're like actual full verses to the song and trying to do multiple hand and arm movements. There are HBCUs that could never pull that off and wouldn't even think about trying. I have no idea what these white kids at Florida were doing, but I'm serious. You need to dock them the postseason for this year and next, take away two scholarships, and send a message that Holy we cannot cow. do this going forward. Holy cow. You're it's that, wor- you're that worked anymore. up. This is way worse than court storming. Way worse. No, there's nothing worse than court storming. Nothing. It was, it was a very small baller move for Florida. The smallest of small baller moves. All right, you feel better now? You've I, been holding that in the whole podcast. I oh, I... I've been holding it in since I saw it come across Twitter yesterday. Man, oh man. I was freaking stunned. All right, quickly. Next Paul for, just bounced right to him on that one. It did. He got lucky. And he, but, he, but you know what he lucky did? Shot. He made a shot. He made yes, he shot. did. Yes, he did. All right, next up for Xavier, quickly. You don't even know. Butler, Butler on Tuesday. Thank Creighton. You. At Butler on Tuesday. And then at Creighton. And for UC, UCF. Central Florida and at then, home. And then the Texas two-step. Yeah, yes, indeed. At SMU and then at Houston. All right, boys. Uh, appreciate the time. We will be back uh, midweek for yet another midweek podcast. We do, let's do We got Tuesday games. Do a Wednesday. Let's do Wednesday. We'll be, maybe a day early this week. You go with that, Rick Boring? Sounds sweeter than apple butter. That sounds great. That, that's that. You know, I may hit you for that line. All right. All right. Good deal. <laughs> All right. Thanks for being with us on this edition of the Skinny Podcast, the college basketball edition, brought to you by Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati. Hey. hey. Back by popular demand.